Off the ball. Somebody says this is bizarre radio. Ice cream on a pancake. Tuna. <laughs> He's brought shame to the whole town, village where he lives. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. What is it called? Friday Fire Pit? Friday Fire Pit. So we just put a bit more thought into dominating. Miserable on Gifty. Miserable on Gifty. You've got to call it like it is. Friday, like what? The Friday Fire Pit. Quarter past nine, OTM, Friday Fire Pit. Kathleen, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are we? All good. What's on the What's on the boiler this morning in the hopper? Well, just kind of uh, continuing on from your conversation at the start of the show. We're going to talk about commentators and what makes a good commentator and do we really need them anymore? This wow. is kind of following on from a Jonathan Liu article that was very controversial a couple of months back where uh, he said that there is no necessity for commentators these days because A, they talk too much compared to the older commentators. They don't leave any space for the silence and the football. And also people aren't just paying attention in the same way they used to, you know. They're on their phones, like a Mr. Colin Buig last night who was texting me during the United match. <laughs> well, I was actually putting my phone to the other side of the room because I generally take my phone away when I want to watch a match properly because you can't watch it properly if you're also on the phone. Ah, no, I agree with that myself. Yeah. I agree with myself. <laughs> well, I agree. Um, but Kathleen, I'm interested there. You reported Jonathan Liu's article there. You um, summarised it, but do you agree with it? Uh, no, I don't. I think I understand what he's saying in terms of the fact that definitely commentary is a different art form now than what it used to be and like I saw a study once about like how many words per minute commentators speak now compared to how they used to and it is mad the difference it's like they have to always be saying something and because of that the level of commentary I don't think is as good but it's a bit like you guys were saying earlier there is something about just those big moments and I think actually commentators probably matter more to you when you're a child than they do now like when I think of great commentary moments or moments that stick out in my head or the reason why I love a certain commentator. It's because of a piece of commentary I've heard when I was younger, not so much now. So I think they add that nostalgia element. I also think your expectations for quality when you're a kid on commentary, like I'm far less cynical or judgmental about the commentators from my childhood than I will be now. But it's not because works in the industry. industry. It's possible. Um, But I, I think the idea of so there are bad commentators and there are commentators that talk too much and there are commentators that don't let the match breathe. Mm. But that is a different conversation for me than not having any commentator at all because I think I actually think that in some ways the um, increasing use of second screening, WhatsApp, Twitter, whatever you're doing yourself in the middle of a game, nearly increases the need for a commentator because yeah, it means yeah. that you're not looking at it. It's nearly more of a radio experience. I certainly know you'd be, you'd be looking at a game sometimes depending on what game it is but you're paying half attention and then the commentator ramps it up and you're like, okay, what's going on? They provide a service. I mean, if you're taking a comfort break and um, you say you're on a different floor of the abode, you want the commentator to alert you if there's a chance. So, I mean, that's, that's, the first, that's the first from, service, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, I'm just giving you an extreme example where you're out of action, extreme, you know, physically and mentally example, you're yeah. gone. Uh, also, but I was thinking, like, when uh, Daniel Harris was uh, listing out his favourite commentators and it was from a bygone era, you know, is it because there was just simply less football on TV, so we had less exposure, so it was more special, whereas nowadays, like, you could hear the same commentator three or four times in a week, depending on the amount of football you're And probably for them as well, they might just be getting a bit wrecked with having to talk about football all the time. 
you know, they say it about like a, the likes of Martin Tyler and stuff now that he's just not as interested or as he used to be. And when you listen back to his old commentary, you definitely hear a bit more of the passion there. And you can understand why if you're talking about football all the time and trying to make it sound exciting all week, seven days, you would just get a bit, eh. I, I I love a bit of Martin Tyler. I think yeah. he, I think he adds to and also the game. you change like if you if we all sit here again in ten years' time, exactly. Kathleen, which no doubt we'll do. There'll be uh, yeah. changes and hopefully whatever else. But there's also the like I don't know if you guys watch um, the fan channels. So like last night I was watching the United game and I had um, I, I have no idea who this guy was, but he was a Manchester United fan and he was broadcasting live on TikTok and he was hell annoyed about a hell of a lot of stuff. Oh yes. Um, that stuff is actually I I am not cynical about that stuff. I find it some way uh, titillating. It's entertaining. It's adding a little bit of value and a lot of nonsense. I think and once you accept it for what it is, like yeah. you accept it to be okay. This is fan TV, so you're going to yeah. get the fan perspective. But also when they're invested in it and when they're like lying on the floor crying, as many Arsenal fan TVs have been <laughs> over the years, uh, it is entertaining. I enjoy it. It's yeah. like. A, I, I get I get why people would say it's chewing gum for the eyes dead and it's a lot of rubbish and you're better off doing something else. But I, it equally adds a bit like you're saying, Kathleen. It's like people people. It's like sitting next to somebody who's like an uber fan of the team you're watching mm. and they're going crazy about it. You love TikTok, yeah. You love TikTok. It's, it's, good, right, it's a good platform. I mean, it's hard to impress you. A, I think that's and B inaccurate. But I'm impressed that you're impressed. Like I'd love to know why you love it so much. But you do find just just content. for that reason that like you know I'm watching United last night. Uh-huh. I'm not a you know fan. I'm really interested in the game. It's uh, captivating. I'm obviously uh, busy, deeply preparing for this morning show, so I'm sort of paying half attention. Um, but definitely having like the phone sat there and your man, whoever he was, um, going absolutely bonkers about United was. See, I would find that hard during a match though, like to listen to something else on my phone while I'm watching a game in front of me. I think it's slightly different to if there's someone beside you, you can kind of tune in and out of it in a different way to when it's on your phone. I feel like when it's on your phone, you're kind of watching them. I yeah, yeah. RNA deck, by the way, was this guy's uh, this guy's name. He's there like 150,000 followers on TikTok. You're better than me. I'm I'm, I'm not even on TikTok apart from you don't, don't if you, ha- you don't even need a, a danger. An account. You just it. The, uh, there's a Liverpool Irish supporter on TikTok who will massively overreacts to every result, and it's kind of a thing. It's kind of viral a bit. This guy and. Uh, so I'd seen a compilation of it. it is was he, is he a joke? Is he, is he I don't know. I don't know. See, there's two Liverpool uh, influence, let's call them, on TikTok. And one guy makes up songs about the players from famous songs and from inserts Cork. players' names. No, this is an English guy. And I'm really undecided if it's a parody or not. If it's not, I'm a bit worried. And the Irish guy like goes mad at results. So when Leeds won at Anfield earlier in the season, like he went viral from that and there was a compilation. And then this week again, he went viral again because of the Real Madrid demolition job. So that itself is finding its own little niche. It's, like, But that's, I, I'm, I'd move away from that. Like, Well, it's sometimes hard to tell is that performative or actual It's definitely passion. performative. Cause but then there form. are loads of fans who are just as like, you know, who are... Performative, you know. Top no, but I mean, but there are fans who are like, there are fans everywhere who are going crazy because, you know, Liverpool have been beaten in that instance. Yes. Uh, correct. Yeah, uh, he's definitely um, relating to a lot of fans, yeah, and their relation to him. There's a lot of empathy there, for sure. Dara, but, uh, who works on AM, has said Jonathan Morley is the Liverpool Irish fan's name, if you need it. Just so. Oh, thank you, Dara. Uh-huh. Thank you, yeah. There's good service there now from no, the youth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, the, like, it is a very personal thing, like, your love of commentary or... 
one for me that sticks out because we did this in the classic game club last year was the, the Wimbledon final that Ivan Isovic won and the reason I love that so much is the commentary is absolutely amazing they really really capture the emotion of it and it was it's actually Pat Cash on co-commentary when Ivan Isovic is serving for the match because he has four championship points so I think it's his first one and Cash just beautifully summarises it as like um, he has tears he has tears in his eyes and he's about to serve for Wimbledon uh. and it's like even me saying that out loud now I get goosebumps I can see that it. you're it's, about to do you know what I've, I find weird about this job is you meet a lot of the Irish commentators that you've grown up listening to over the years and it's just so bizarre hearing them speak in like their normal voices and not doing commentary like I remember when I so like for me Ral Nugent is one of the voices that always just like brings back so many memories because he was like commentating on the rugby around the time that I was properly getting into sport for the first time and it was when I remember my first you know proper oh my god my team is actually winning this is a great experience and I remember covering Ireland New Zealand in the Aviva for the Autumn Internationals and he was in the room and I just heard his voice from the other side and I was just like he was just asking for a cup of tea or something and I was like (laughs) can I have a cup of tea (laughs) (laughs) it's just really bizarre even you know just meeting these people and seeing them in normal life and be like you don't live in a little booth and just watch sport all day and talk about it um, it's an incredible skill it really is I also say I, 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 before I forget I associate George Hamilton and Jim Beglin with Doom from commentating on either big Ireland qualifiers or the Champions League and uh, it's always the opposition of going to score like those that partnership always um, the fear drags down the spine Can I throw one out there that we'll probably have to come back to but the conversation we've just had about the hurling and whether we should be obliged to emphasise the teaching of hurling from a young age um, no, I don't think there's any obligation, but I was on to a friend of mine last night, also from Cork, who's a big hurler, and he would strongly feel uh, the same as Liam Griffin. I would yeah. feel that way. Mm. Well, because I, I was looking at what he was saying from the perspective of, say, like, there's been an argument for ages, like, should clubs to get funding in, say, the Premier League or wherever it is, or even in Ireland, should they have to have a women's division and women's teams to get that funding? To And is there an obligation there? And a lot of what he was saying was interesting to me because it was just the similar arguments that I've heard for years and years, but in a different context. Yeah, I th- that's so spot on. Like, it's something that we should look to protect and promote, and so it's that isn't he's identified happening organically. So somebody needs to step in and take action over it. And like, I don't know. Look, I do get the people who are not into GA or don't want to be into it or whatever. Do you have to force them to play hurling? And I don't think it's ever really about that. But it's equally about giving the opportunity to play hurling. I think it'd be interesting if you did bring it forward and say because it's under sevens and under nines, and say every club did have to provide that service and gave it like five years or something and after that five years you went back and said okay well how many of those kids have gone on to compete at under 12 or Mm. under 14 level and is it actually Mm. making a progression because I know like at home we like Sligo's hasn't been a massive hurling county but there's been like a real sort of rejuvenation of the sport over the last couple of years and a couple of the clubs in my parish got together and set up a hurling team and like even you see Eski getting to the final this year like they're actually doing really well and there's a real interest in it and they're starting to set up the smaller or the younger age groups. Mm. 
So like there is an appetite when, and you know, kids at that age, if you're playing sport, you just want to play yeah, sport. Yeah, that's the thing. See, I'd stop, I'd stop short of enforcing any obligation to play, but I do think there's no harm in introducing as many sports as possible to kids that age because they don't know any better. And it will actually help them, as Liam pointed out, which I think is probably the best point for me, is that it will, if anything, it will just improve your skills in other sports mm-hmm. if it's transferable. But it's interesting you mentioned Sligo there in, the, in Hurling. And my niece-in-law, I suppose, she's mad into Gaelic football and she's progressing very, very nicely. Um, 12 years old but she's focused entirely on football and not hurling a lot not camogie like in any way yeah yeah and like, you have to allow you definitely have to have an allowance for choice but I do think the opportunity is kind of the key um, with that one maybe we'll come back to that uh, again down the track Kathleen's nodding saying let's get the hell out of here that is uh, uh, a bridged version of the fire pit and Friday what is it called Friday Fire Pit? Friday Fire Pit Fridays. So we just put a bit more thought into dominating miserable comments about it. Miserable, I guess. You gotta call it like it is. It's Friday, like, come on. The Friday Fire Pit.